It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to this latest edition of the Women's World Cup Digest with myself, Ned Keating, joined today by Louise Wilkes and Beth Lindop as we talk about England's brilliant win over Columbia at the weekend. I say brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant in the fact that they're three to a semi-final, which is my little bit of display that we were hoping for, but we'll come on to that in a second. And of course, look forward to that mouth-watering semi-final later on this week against hosts Australia, of course, England. In any sport, when they face Australia, it's always a, a monumental occasion and we're going to be treated to one later in this week and we'll talk about that later in the show. But as I said, first up, we're going to talk about that win over Colombia. And Louise, it was... I don't want to use the term nervy. Of course, it was nervy at time. But for England, they had to really dig deep. We've seen it time and time again in this tournament that they kind of had to dig deep. But of course, first time that they've gone behind in this tournament as well. So they had to show an element of resilience to kind of shake that disappointment off and especially to, to get the goal just before half time as well to go in level that was key and crucial but there was a, a kind of much like we saw against Nigeria much like we saw against Haiti much like we saw against Denmark not a free-flowing brilliant performance for England but dogged tenacious and doing absolutely everything that they needed to do to get that win whilst not playing at their best yeah absolutely I think there's that term in football isn't there of you can win pretty or you can win ugly and we seem to be really winning ugly at the minute, other than China. So, but it's working, you know, it's it's a win. So, I mean, I'll take it. Brilliant. I think going behind, I, I've watched this game now twice, um, just to go through it again. And there was a really different energy from England. Yeah, they went behind. And then you just, and they were taking those big hits, which I'm sure we'll chat about later. But then you just sort of saw that as, it, as, as if they needed that hunger yeah, they needed something to chase. Um, I think we saw a, a different England side, actually, uh, especially in that second half. Once they got that goal, it was it was momentous. It was really, it was really, you know, they were trying to link up. They were trying to do this play that we've seen. We saw against China where they were so fluid and just untouchable. You could see them trying those intricate plays, especially up top with pulling Lucy Bronze in and everything. But 
yeah, I'm actually, I was really negative about the performance first time watching it. I was like, you were very nervous. Oh my God, we could lose it. We've got to cling on to this extra time. But actually the second time I watched it, I think I was a bit too harsh and they were trying to play fluid. It's just the middle that let us down, I think. Beth, as Louise touched on there, it was a, a very physical match. Um, you know, Columbia definitely arrived to make sure that Inca knew that they were there and that this wasn't going to be uh, any easy game. And we knew it wasn't going to be an easy game because, of course, they played so brilliantly from it uh, throughout the tournament, of course. But in terms of the physicality, it definitely seemed to go up and level. And there was a, a few, shall we say, interesting moments. Um, and, and the referee was subject to, to some criticism for, for perhaps letting a bit of the rough treatment go. I suppose it's kind of a tough line for referees, isn't it? In that, you know, they're kind of, if they're blowing up every 30 seconds, they get criticised for not letting the game flow. And when they do let the game flow, they, we're, we're there to attack them for, for not being firm enough. But there is a there is a, a line in between there. There is a, a place in between where you can let the game flow, but also call up these these overly physical fouls, shall we say. And I think, as we said, there was a, a bit of questioning on social media as to whether or not the referee was kind of too keen just to let the game flow and, and didn't really do their job in, in officiating the match, perhaps. Yeah, a little bit. I think in, in the first half, there were definitely a few challenges where, where the Columbia players very much wanted to, to let England know that they were there and they weren't going to show them any respect, which is right, you know. And, and you know, in one sense, you can't criticise Columbia too much for that because they've come with their game plan. They're up against arguably the best team in the world, one of the best teams in the world. You don't want to let them have it you know, all of their own way. And there were a couple of, of challenges. I think Lauren Hent got absolutely clattered at, at one point. And you do look at that and you think, ref, you know, you do need to blow up for those sorts of challenges. I think as well, obviously, sort of ahead of the tournament, Columbia had that friendly match abandoned um, against the Republic of Ireland, didn't they, for being too physical. So I think there was maybe sort of, you know, the the connotations of that maybe, you know, influenced some people's reaction online. Um but yeah, I think it is It is such a difficult one for, for referees, isn't it? I mean, I'd hate to be a referee. Like you say, they can't really do right for doing wrong, you know, at, at times. And um, you, you do want games to flow more. We don't want to see it constantly stop starting. But yeah, there were a couple um, of challenges in the first half that maybe should have been brought back a little bit. But England, again, it's, I guess, a testament to them not losing the heads and and sort of overreacting. And, and again, it's another sort of challenge that, England's a part to face that they've, they've overcome. But I mean, I know, I know Louise, you had some strong opinions on it. What I thought was interesting um, was if Georgia Stanway hadn't have been on a yellow card, what challenges would she have replied with? Because she's, she's big elbows out in the middle. And I think because she's been on that yellow the past two games, she's been really quiet. But if she had not had that yellow, I would have loved to see the challenges that she put back in and be like, no, you don't do that. You know I mean, so I, I just looking forward to the series for the big tackles from George anyway. But we, uh, as I said later on in the show, we will come on to that so we find a bit more depth. But just to kind of uh, the final point on England and uh, Beth, I'll come to you on this one as well or, or Louise as well. Feel free to jump in. But the final point on England from from the game against Colombia, and we'll talk about the other quarterfinals afterwards. But is is this the kind of test? that they needed against Columbia, kind of, as you said, you know, Louise touched on it about the kind of, the hunger, the desire, this kind of idea that we might actually go out here, we might lose this because we've gone behind. We need to fight and dig and give everything to it. And now going into this semi-final, which was actually a little bit more in depth, is going up against an Australian side that will be hungry, that will have that desire. 
But in terms of England, is this the test that they needed, the examination that they needed? Physical, confrontational, going behind, tick, 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 dealt with all those challenges. And now what comes next is, is hopefully better displays from England. But um, given what's gone before, maybe, maybe I'll be an optimistic there. Maybe we'll just continue to win ugly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the brilliant and sort of terrifying thing about World Cup football is you have to play so many different types of, of opposition. And, and England, as you said, have won ugly for the, the vast majority of the games they've played at, at this tournament. You know, that, that sort of 6-1 demolition of, of China aside, every game has been a challenge and it's been a little bit of a slog and England have had to be dogged and, and determined. But yeah, I think, you know, I think that Columbia game, I don't think anyone expected it to be easy. I think it probably played out, you know, pretty much in, in the manner a lot of people would have expected. But the, within that game, there were a lot of, I guess, sort of firsts at this tournament ticked off the list, as you say, sort of falling behind, conceding the first goal from, from open play. So those two milestones have gone and England have, have ridden that challenge and, and come out the other side. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was a great challenge for them. I was also really pleased for, for Alessia Russo getting on the score sheet in the second half because, you know, it hasn't been an easy couple of months for her at all. You know, obviously all the speculation over is she going to move to, from Manchester United to Arsenal? Is she not? Then she gets that move. And then obviously the, the massive debate. I mean, we've spoken about it countless times on this part about should she be starting up front? Should it be Rachel Daly? I think a lot of us within our team certainly felt at the beginning of this tournament that Rachel Daly was best placed to start in that number nine role. And, you know, I'm not sure Alessia Russo has maybe across the tournament as a whole played her best football, but She's stuck at it. She's worked exceptionally hard. And I thought she was absolutely brilliant on Saturday. Not just the goal. I mean, she took it brilliantly, spun a marker and, and finished brilliantly. But in terms of a work rate, a hold up play, and, um, you know, the way she helps sort of bring in a, a teammates into the game as well, I thought she was excellent. So I think that's a real positive as well for her to be in that kind of form to take that into to the Australia game as well. So, yeah, I think, as you said, there were sort of a number of different challenges England had to, to come up against on, on Saturday and, and they rode those challenges well and hopefully that stands them in good stead for the, the semi-final. And Louise, is there anything that you've got to, to add there on England so far and in, in, in what they, they face against Colombia and, and that kind of the task that they faced and now obviously the task at hand that they've got going forward? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the threats that Colombia offered in Castillo, Santos, Ramirez, you know, they're you, they just couldn't get hold of them. They couldn't get close enough to them. They were moving so quick. And Australia are going to offer that, you know, with Hayley Rasso and Mary Fowler's having a fantastic tournament. You've got Sam Kerr that's probably going to make an appearance back there. So they've sort of, I think, kind of prepared us for that. Um, I don't want to say slimy attackish, but it's one you just can't grab hold of. So that's the word that comes to mind. Um, that they're just going to have to learn to press, get quick, get quick onto the first touch to nick the ball or to just stand off a little bit. I think. They'll decide what they're going to do, obviously. But I think Colombia really offered that um, with the physical side as well, which Nigeria also offered. Nigeria were massively physical and likes of Lauren Hemp really struggled, but she persevered and persevered. And I think that's what shows this England team and what Serena England's asking of them is just persevere, stiff up a lip, persevere, keep going. Don't, don't, um, don't be pulled into the challenge or anything. Just keep going. And she trusts the system. She trusts the players. She trusts Alessia Russo when everyone else was questioning it. And she, I think it's that that calm level of trust of going, whatever challenge you're hitting, just, just keep going and keep going. And and I think Colombia sort of prepared us for Australia, I dare say. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Talking of Australia, and, and Beth, obviously they reached the semifinals with a, a, a nerve-wracking, and even more nerve-wracking, I suppose, for them because the the fact that they're hosts, but a penalty shootout victory over France. Um, I was watching it with uh, with my wife on, on Saturday morning and kind of, <laughs> I had a feeling that Australia were going to, when, when Mackenzie Arnold stepped up and, and missed a penalty, I, I had a feeling, uh, we know how this story goes here, don't we, that, that it's not going to, and she, you know, I think she lost her head a little bit after that as well. There were a few incidents in it where it seemed to, to kind of lose her focus, lose her composure, but Australia did eventually come through in the penalty shootout, through to, to a semi-final as well on home turf. And judging by all the reaction that I've seen from Australia, my sister lives out there. We've obviously got Jack out there as well, covering it, uh, covering the tournament from us. Um, and judging by all the noise that we're getting, this is becoming a massive, massive event out in Australia. If it, it, I'm not saying that it wasn't already, but we're now seeing you know huge numbers of of uh, fans watching it on TV in Australia. We're seeing the scenes that we're seeing across the fan parks as well in Australia. Probably the best thing for the tournament is the fact that Australia were able to make it through and to do it in such exciting fashion as well kind of adds another layer to it and of course Australia they're they're you know as I touched on earlier this hunger that they're going to have now throughout the tournament is uh is, is going to be right there on uh against England in the semi-final when we come to it but in terms of a tournament point of view it's phenomenal that we are going to have the the hosts in a semi-final having battled through a, a quarter-final yeah absolutely I mean I, I was sort of rooting for, for Australia I think like you say from, from a tournament perspective it, it's great to see the host nation get through it was a shame obviously to see New Zealand crash out in the groups, wasn't it? So for, for Australia to, to still be standing um, is it, great to see. I think they're the first host since 2003, I think, to, to get to this this stage. It's the first time the Matildas have ever reached a semi-final. So, you know, personally, in terms of, you know, for them, the growth in Australia and what this could do and, you know, the influence that it can can have on the women's game on on that side of the world is, is huge. And, you know, I think it sort of has shades of, so last summer when England beat uh, Spain in the quarterfinals. And I think, you know, before that, maybe people weren't, you know, they knew the Euros was going on, but maybe hadn't set up and, and taken notice. And I think that victory over Spain was when people were like, oh, actually England are into the last stages of this massive tournament and they're doing really well. And I think that's maybe sort of what, it's a sort of a similar vibe with with Australia this time around. I think um, they're not to be, they're not a side to be feared too much for, from England's perspective. I don't think. I think they will obviously be sort of in the next couple of days in the build up to that game. Constant reminders of the fact that so far under Serena Beekman, uh, Australia were the only side to have beaten England. Um, I was at that game at, at Brentford, and it was uh, it was a really poor performance from England. They just couldn't, you know, they were completely sort of outmaneuvered by Australia in that game. Um, England had the vast majority of possession and chances, but. 
you know, they had Sam Kerr on the pitch, which as we, as we said, you know, she's likely to, to maybe be back in the starting lineup for that game. Who knows? But certainly will make an appearance, you would think. Um, and she is, you know, sometimes virtually unplayable in, in terms of the pockets that she picks up and the runs that she makes. And obviously what a phenomenal finisher she is. Um, so, you know, there, w- there will be a real challenge. Obviously, there'll be plenty of, of home support for them. I think I saw a report this morning that actually a lot of Australian fans were buying tickets in the England end and were threatening to wear Matilda's jersey. So that could all boil over if that is the case. Um, but I think what, what England have to remember is it wasn't so long ago that actually I think the Australian media um, was, was speaking about Tony Gustav and the, the manager uh, losing his job potentially after that defeat to Nigeria. There were question marks over will they make it through to the the knockout stages and they did. They obviously had a really convincing win over Canada, but you know it's not been plain sailing for them in this tournament. It took a penalty for them to edge past the Republic of Ireland in their opening game. So I think a bit like England, we've maybe not seen the very best of them. They've had sort of flashes of brilliance, as, as Louise said, Mary Fowler's been excellent, Caitlin Ford, Mackenzie Arnold have all had brilliant moments. But I think sort of cohesively as a team, that that Canada game is the real sort of game that you look at as that's that the, them sort of approaching the peak of the powers and we haven't seen that too often so yeah I think they will be fearing England as much as England are fearing them and um, there will be a challenge but I think England have got what it takes to to give as good as they get. Yeah I've been telling my sister as well to practice her Australian accent just so she can kind of hide in plain sight while she's out there she does have an Australian husband so she does have a good teacher for that one at least anyway um but Louise, before we come on to the England semi-final in, in greater depth, just finally on the on the last two quarterfinals, um, I've cast your mind back to them. They seem such a long time ago now. So much has happened since. But of course, Spain coming through uh, against the Netherlands uh, and an interesting subplot in that, in that the Netherlands, uh, uh, one of their players suggesting before that game, uh, having seen the USA go out, that the USA had done too much talking only for that then to happen to, to the Netherlands. Um, was a, was a slightly interesting one. I know uh, our, our colleague Megan was uh, who, who is of uh, American descent and he's from America. Uh, kind of found that funny on Friday's podcast when they had already gone out. But from that side of things, and and for Sweden to beat Japan as well, and and that side of the draw, do we expect? You know, Spain perhaps underperformed at, at the Euros last summer. I think obviously they would have. You know, the players that they've got and having someone like Alexi Pateas. And and others like Jennifer Amoso as well to to have them in this, where they probably would have wanted to go, and they you know were unfortunate to run into England, I suppose, last year. But now they're kind of showing that this is them on the world stage, and they're really kind of demonstrating the ability that they've got. And most people would probably have Sweden as their favourites for this semi final, but I suppose you know Spain are there to show exactly what they're made of, and they've done that so far. Yes, they they you know had a dreadful result in the in the group stages against Japan, but. So did Australia and look at where they've got to in the semi-final already and England have barely lit it up. So it's not going to be easy, not going to be plain sailing in short for Sweden. No, actually. And I watched the Sweden-USA game uh, and I was I would struggle to see how Sweden have got that far because they didn't, uh, they barely had an attack. There was just defence who foul, defence who foul. And I thought, how are you, how are you going to cope with a side that's going to attack, attack, attack that, that um, USA did? Oh, I was shocked, really, for Sweden because because their staff studied and I thought, oh my god, they're going to they're just going to absolutely plow for us this year. But I think I've been really excited about Spain. I've been waking up at stupid o'clock to watch Spain. I think it was two a.m. Spain Netherlands. I uh, no one in my household is very happy about that, but I woke up for that. And uh, it, uh, it, I just Spain are lighting it up in a different way. I can't believe you've got players 
who aren't necessarily playing together because of all the stuff that's happened and Jorge Bilder's picked who he's picked and he's left ridiculous talent off the bench. So they've not come with their, I don't want to say their A players per se, but first pick of what has been before. And then I think they're nailing it. Their attack, they're absolutely ferocious. Uh, and they're so excited. And I do think they're going to give Sweden's back line a lot of trouble because Hermosa's on a on an absolute roll. Um, Puteus is coming back and it's just frightening. Um, and I, honestly, I, I personally think Spain are favourites for that game. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Been an interesting one for sure to see because, of course, the winners go on to the final and the losers will be into the third place playoff. And that's the game that no one ever really wants in tournament football. You probably just want to get on the flight home after losing the semi-final and not even bother uh, with that game. But but yeah, uh, for, for either of those, they've obviously got two games to look forward to. Uh, as we've teased throughout the show this morning, of course, we're now going to look a little bit more in-depth uh, at England's game against Australia. Uh, before we come on to that, I do want to look at some of the comments that we've got in, of course, if you are listening along live on YouTube, feel free to track your comments in and we will try to answer them. And they seem that we're big in Australia this morning. We've got Carl Fav saying, go Matildas. Uh, we've got another one from Michael Traeger, which I can't show on screen because of the first bit, but it suggests that we're going to cry like the Ashes team. Michael, if I remember correctly, Steve Smith does a fair bit of crying as well. So we might see that again uh, later on this week. Who knows? But Beth, in terms of this game, we're seeing it there in terms of those comments already and, and it's just going to grow and grow. As I said earlier on, it's a momentous occasion. No matter what sport it is, could be netball. And we saw that the other week in England lost, unfortunately. Could be cricket and England weren't able to get the better of Australia in the ashes this summer. Could be rugby union as well. You know, kind of cast your mind back to 2003 in the World Cup and England spoiled Australia's party then in the final. To do it, Again, this time around, England versus Australia could have been in the groups, could have been whenever in this tournament. It didn't really matter. That we've got it as a semi-final, it just adds another layer to it completely, doesn't it? That there's always this rivalry, as I said there. It doesn't matter when, where and how. And it's just going to add an extra layer to this game of intrigue that, that probably didn't need anything more added to it. Yeah, it is, it is a mouth-watering prospect, isn't it? Like you say, I mean, I think sort of, as you said, the the RCs sort of got the better of us in the Ashes, and thanks to the, the English weather, and 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 certainly in terms of the, that game earlier this year, I think we, uh, I think it's about time England got the win, isn't it? Um, on Wednesday, but yeah, it it, it is is always a massive occasion when um, when England and Australia play in, in any sport. I think Serena Beeman was actually asked about that um, a couple of days ago, um, and in typical Serena Beeman fashion, just sort of battered it away with a. I'll have to get my players to explain that rivalry to me. Like she, she does never, she you never wants to make the most of, of or sort of overreg any sort of pressure or anything like that. She just wants to sort of play a game, get get what she wants to do done, and and not sort of listen to the outside noise too much. And that is is a massive part of the reason that England have been as successful as they have been, um, you know, over over the last sort of two years. But yeah, I think it it is a 
it's from for the neutral. It's going to be a mouthwatering clash, isn't it? And um, yeah, thankfully the game isn't being played in in Manchester, where rain can can play a part as it did in the Ashes, and it it's in uh, hopefully a nice and sunny Sydney. So um, yeah, it's a it's a really exciting clash, and we've just got to hope that England can perform better than they did in that game against Australia at Brentford earlier this year, because that was probably one of the the poorest performances I've seen under Serena Beekman. Louise, in terms of Australia in this tournament, we touched on it a little bit already about you know the performances, and they've probably built as the as the competition's gone on. You know that 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 shock result against Nigeria in the group stages to then come back with that convincing win against Canada, and then progress on to the semi final. And they've done this all the while, whilst kind of nursing, I think is the best word, nursing Sam Care uh, through the tournament. They could have a back for this semi final. She could be starting, and I suppose you know that that's an awful conundrum and, and situations put in oh do I put in one of the world's best players back into my starting 11 but the fact of the matter is they've actually been quite good without us I suppose then that is the issue now it's do you rock the boat do you disrupt you know doesn't matter how good Sam Kerr is doesn't matter the fact that she's your captain these players have got you to where you are do you, do you disrupt do you rock the boat do you bring it back in it's, it's, it's an awful decision for their coach to make awful in the sense that oh you know I'd hate to have that player as I said there to bring back in but actually no, no, it is a tough decision for him. Yeah, what a headache. Where do you fit some? You've got to fit her in somewhere, haven't you? But I, she came in as a sub, correct me if I'm wrong, on the 80th minute against Denmark and then the 55th minute against France. So she's getting more and more game time. So considering it's no longer 90 minute games, you know, we're seeing we've seen over 100 minute games and the potential for extra time. I don't think she could stretch that far. I reckon it's going to be a half time sub. I don't think she'll start. Obviously, I'm not Gustafson. I, I don't know, but um, nor am I in Sam Kerr's calf. But I think you you want to make sure that she's still in that bubble because if they do progress, they're going to want her for the final. So do you think ahead and know, right, I can make that half time sub? Because they have been doing absolutely soundly on their own. I mean, Mary Fowler, like I said, had an absolute sensational tournament against France she had so many opportunities and Hayley Rasso was just on fire she it's surprising because I've watched City all season and I hadn't seen much of her and I knew she had this talent but you you just didn't manage to see it but now you're seeing free-flowing Hayley Rasso and it's terrifying I wouldn't want to play against her so um You've also got to think their back line as well. You know, Alana Kennedy has been absolutely solid at the back. She's put her body absolutely on the line and they've come away with, I think it's four out of five clean sheets. And like Jack said in, in earlier, in one of the earlier episodes, you don't underestimate the power of a clean sheet in tournament football. And we have had three clean sheets. Australia have had four. Uh, and, I, and I just think that, I perhaps fear them a little bit more than Beth does. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Sam Kerr is definitely a threat, but they'll know how to deal with her. Millie Bright will know how to deal with her, I think, a little bit better, and and, and won't let her won't let let won't let it happen what happened last time with that two 0 loss. So I think it'll be a halftime sub. Um, I think perhaps Mary Fowler off for her. I'm not sure, but I think we won't see her for the start. Fingers crossed. Yeah, our, our good friend Carl Sav coming back as well and, and uh, hinted at the fact that, that the Australian manager had also said that, uh, you know, factoring in, like you said there about the fact that Sam Kerr coming on and it's not just, you know, 45 minutes, it's the additional 30 as well and everything else to come with it. Um, and for sure, that'll be definitely one to keep an eye on. But, but Beth, it's not just Australia that have 
potential headaches and, and selection dilemmas to think about. It's England as well. Um, of course, again, no Lauren James after a red card against Nigeria. Um, they kept the same formation by and large against uh, against Colombia at the weekend. And it was Ella Toon that was slotted into that kind of number 10 role that Lauren James had excelled in so far in this tournament. Again, we kind of, you know, she started the first game and she didn't have the best and she didn't have much of an influence, I think, on proceedings. Again, at the weekend, I think she struggled to get into the game at times. Our, our lovely producer, Laura, who put together this running order, suggesting whether or not Katie Zellum uh, should start in her team's place. But this is this is something that that Serena Viedman has to solve, isn't it? You know, the, the rest of the team, I think, is working well in this formation. They're kind of flowing. And I think, especially Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo, game by game, they're building up more and more of a relationship and they look to be getting the best out of each other, I think. Um, and, and definitely starting to kind of really flourish together as the top two. So you don't want to disrupt that. You look at the other areas of the pitch as well, and you kind of go, do you know what? It's, it's doing well. It's coping well. So you're kind of left there with that, how do we solve that number 10 issue un until Lauren James is available again? And of course, this is the last game of her suspension. So regardless whether or not England are in the third place playoff or the final this weekend, Lauren James could come back into selection then. So it's it's one game that Serena Thiegman perhaps she has to think about. Who goes in that team? Does she bring in Zellin for two? Or does she give Toon another chance to prove herself? Yeah, I mean, I would suggest that that our producer Laura is a is a big Katie Zellum fan. I think she wants Katie Zellum in every single game. Which you know, to be fair to Katie Zellum, I thought she was she was excellent when she did play. And um, but is you know, it's not sort of a like for like replacement for two and all James. I think that's that's the issue that that Serena Beegan faces. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of Chloe Kelly. Um, I think you know the fact that she only came on for a couple of minutes at the end. The other day is, is such a shame when you, you consider the quality that she has and the things that she's done in an England shirt. Um, but obviously, again, then that would mean sort of a change of formation, reverting back to that 4-3-3, um, which is perhaps something that Serena Biedman might look at. And then, you know, you can have Hemp and, and Russo up top with Kelly coming in. Um, but again, that sort of more advanced midfield role, the obvious replacement is Toon. You know, I was rooting for, I was really, really rooting for her against Columbia. And I think it was a a real opportunity for her to sort of kickstart her tournament and she didn't have a horrendous game but you know I think struggled to have that explosive impact that we saw when she came on as a substitute at Euros we've, we've not seen the best of her I don't think I think at club level you know obviously Manchester United has a great season but in terms of Toon's personal form you know I don't think last season was her best season by any stretch either so um, yeah I think it depends how much Serena Beekman believes that Toon can get back to that best form. Um, I think Katie Zellum is is maybe slightly more defensive. And then if you've got a midfield of, of Stanway, Walsh and, and Zellum, is that too um, too defensive? Do you need a more attack-minded player in there? Do you bring in Laura Coombs, as uh, Serena did when uh, Kira Walsh went off in that in that game against... Um, it was a Denmark that Kira Walsh got injured, but... Um, yeah, it's a real tough one. I think that's one area of the pitch where England aren't particularly well well stocked. You've got, I mean, don't forget when we were coming into this tournament, we were thinking of Lauren James maybe more as a winger as opposed to a number 10. So, you know, again, Toon is England's sort of most conventional number 10. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is. I would love her to find the best fall again. Um, I would love her to, to have a brilliant game against Australia. Um, and I think because Serena as as place to trust in her. I think it's actually between the the Euros finishing and the World Cup starting, no other player made played more minutes for England than Ella Toon. So I think that speaks volumes about how Serena Vigman views her and relies on her and trusts her. But it's whether, you know, last, the last week's performance did enough to convince Serena of, of her ability. 
Before we go this morning, of course, want to uh, deliver the time-honoured tradition of getting school predictions. And it'd be good to get uh, one or two of our listeners involved in this as well before I come to you. Uh, again, Carl Sav has been commenting throughout the morning. I've not had a charge yet to to flash up his comment about when was Wayne Rooney's debut. Uh, I can't remember on screen yet, but of course it was against Australia in February 2003 and England lost 3-0. I think it was 3-0, wasn't it? Francis Jeffers as well. Remember him? He was in that game as well. But I dare say Carl Sav is going to suggest a similar result for Australia uh, this weekend, uh, sorry, this week in the semi-final as well, that they will get another comfortable win. Uh, of course, I expect both Louise and Beth, as we come to you for your school predictions, that you're going to uh, go against Carl Savin. Yes, he's just come back. 1-0 to Australia is what he thinks. But I think I'm getting an inkling that you might suggest that Australia could be going out as, as close. It could, for my money, I think it could go all the way to penalties again. But I'll be interested to get you, Louise, I'll come to you first. How do you think this game is going to pan out? This is going to be one all at full time, two one extra time, I reckon. For England, England. And Beth, for you, how do you, are you as optimistic that England will get the job done before penalties? I'm going to be confident. I'm going to say three one England. I think it's going to be England's one of England's best performances of the tournament. Sam Kerr might get a little consolation goal, but I'm back in England to have a to have a convincing win. And I'm pretty sure if we've all got it completely wrong, Carl Sav won't be uh, too long in getting into the comments and reminding us all of our of our predictions uh, this morning. Um, Louise, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate your time. As always, of course, you can keep up to date for the latest from the Women's World Cup uh, on the Daily Mirror website. We've also got Jack Lacey Hatton out in Australia as well, and we'll get all the latest from him uh, as the tournament goes on, as we build up to this. It's a special game, let's be honest. You know, the World Cup final is going to be exciting, but this is a nice little warm-up act uh, regardless of what happens on Wednesday uh, and of course you can give out today for the latest from around the semi-final and beyond and everything else that you need football-wise uh, on the Daily Mirror website but for now it's goodbye